we take you to exciting places. The Fortress of Zion. Touching on different extremes. A little bit of people trying to get different stuff. Underground music and communities. And interesting civic structures. As people update society as a whole, we're going to take some laid back perspectives on older songs, as well as peppering in a little bit of electronic excitement. And today, I brought my friend Shanice on the program. Hi, Shanice. Hi, guys. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I see you got your book in front of you. Yes, we are going to be talking about marijuana. Marijuana. Talking We'll take you to a Vancouver Island farm to a radio documentary chat with my friend, Jen Osborne, who just got back from taking pictures of female soldiers in Ukraine. This is the Frequency Supervisor. Here's Jen's story. Yeah, I went to a lot of places in Ukraine. Uh, I went there two times in July, and then again from the end of September 2015 until the end of November 2015. And I started off in Lviv. That's West Ukraine. If you say it in Russian, Lviv is Lvov. Like the I turns into O in Russian, so Lviv is the Ukrainian pronunciation. And that's like a really beautiful European town. And like I completely fell in love with Lviv. I took a bus from Berlin, Germany, where I've been based for the last five years. And I took a bus to Warsaw, slept the night, and then I took a bus to Lviv. The whole trip was about maybe 14 hours total driving. So I just relaxed in Lviv and had a nice time. It was my first step into Ukraine. It was my first real war zone that I was going to go and photograph. Uh, like I worked in the Colombia and Brazil with drug trafficking related war kind of stuff, but never in an official war zone. So I was stepping into Ukraine slowly. My philosophy is that you need to take your time with dangerous locations. You shouldn't just throw yourself in there because you could make a wrong move and get killed. So. <laughs> And then I, I kind of <clears throat> just slowly ventured across from Lviv, Lvov in Russian, to Kiev. Lived there for a while, then I met with my fixer and we began our wild journey photographing in East Ukraine. Actually, I've been wanting to go to a war zone since I was 19 to shoot. Like, my original concept of being a photographer, my reason to go into the industry of photography was to be a war photographer. But I also have another philosophy that photographers shouldn't just go photograph a war zone unless they've got really good skills. Like, what's the point of putting your life at risk if you don't even know how to make a good photograph? So I've been kind of developing my craft for years now and I, I, found, I feel like it was time for me to go and have some more risks in my game. This is the, this is the barn, eh? This is the happening place. And if you're strong, can you do me a favor? Can you lift one of those bags into that? She loves it here. This is her sanctuary. She comes home and just kind of rests and sleeps. <laughs> Rides her horse, or my horse now, I guess. That's her grain. Just a little bit more nutrition than their hay. Jennifer's a really bright girl and a very individual girl. And so when she was 17, she won a really big. Um, grant from the Superstores, which is a Western foundation. 
she applied for it herself. And so she was interviewed in grade 12, and so she went to Toronto on her own. Never gone anywhere on her own before. And they just raved about her, so she got she got the scholarship and she went to Humber College. And so I just knew at that point, let her, let her go. She's smart. She always watches her back. And she's going to do her own thing anyway. If she was a silly girl and reckless, then I would be worried. But I'm just going, she's living her life, so let her do it. I should worry, but I don't. What's the use? I got other things to worry about, you know, uh, because she's living her life. She's just been an individual her whole life, so you never know when your time's up. Like I've had cancer three times, so you don't really know when the day's coming, right? So you might as well live your life the way you want to. I choose this. She chooses, you know. I mean, I think a big mistake photographers make is going, they want to go to front lines just to get like in the action. But if you're going to risk your life, you have to have like a real reason to do it. And I found a project that uh, required me to go there and I believe in the project, which is photographing the roles of female soldiers in such a patriarchal society. In Ukraine, men kind of rule the show. If, if a woman's on a date with a man, he's expected to pay for everything. Women can kind of be bought and sold there. Female soldiers defy the gender roles that are set up in Ukraine. I had been researching women in Ukraine because I was trying to find a story around women. Ukrainian women are famous for being beautiful, so I thought it would be funny to find something quirky around that. And then I googled uh, like female soldiers Ukraine and all that came up was weird propaganda images. It's like pictures of beautiful women holding guns, standing in front of explosions. They look like models, they look really stupid. And those images kind of make a mockery of women's role in war. When the fact is there are very brave women going to the front lines, picking up weapons and fighting. There's like official army battalions fighting, and then there's um, unofficial battalions like Right Sector, Azov, um, Idar. These are all groups of fighters, but now they're integrating with the army, but women are legally not allowed to go and fight in official Ukrainian army. Why that is, I don't know. I still have to interview someone about that. Um, but so the women who are fighting, they're going into volunteer battalions, they're not getting paid to do it. Uh, people in right sector, for example, who are fighting, they, they're risking their lives and using their time to fight for their country and they're not getting a single payment for it. Um, but on the pro-Russian side in Donetsk, um, there's a lot more women fighting because it's martial law there. Uh, the law is kind of thrown into the air in, in the Donetsk People's Republic, so there's not really many rules in the war on that side, so a lot of women Women are fighting there. I have to say in Donetsk, yeah, the women fighters have a lot more respect and they do have to prove themselves. Like a lot of the females in Donetsk had said to me like, oh, when I came here, the men were, were skeptical of me being here, but I just had to show my 
my abilities for the first time on the front lines and now they take me seriously. Basically there's a line in East Ukraine and it's like a couple hundred kilometers long and it divides the far eastern territory of the Donbass region. That's the territory that's meeting Rush the Russian border. Naturally a lot of people are pro-Russian there because they're situated directly next to Russia. I mean a lot of the people living there are from Russia too. I have this one moment, it was in the second time uh, when I was there, and I was photographing two kilometers from Donetsk airport. That's where like the major battles have been taking place, and it's still a very dangerous place. And I was standing on the bridge photographing a female soldier. This bridge, it's, it's kind of what divides uh, the city center from the airport. If you drive over that bridge, or you have to walk over now because it's completely damaged, um, you hit the, the airport where all the shelling and automatic rifles are firing and I was standing there shooting and I looked behind me and there was an old woman crawling up the bridge like not crawling but she was like you know limping with her cane up the bridge and I was like what is this woman doing here like she had to get through like four checkpoints to get to this point and then I asked my fixer and he said no she lives there she, she lives over the bridge um, this woman basically is probably like 80 was walking home to her home where all the shelling was happening and I had felt like I had seen a ghost. That was really surprising. To be honest, I was completely shocked seeing her walking over the bridge because we could hear gunfire and she was walking towards the gunfire. I was completely shocked at seeing her that I, I kind of just wanted to watch her walk by me. I think sometimes as a photographer, I just want to enjoy the strange and surreal experiences that I have because when I put a camera in my face, I, it's like I'm watching a movie. It doesn't feel real anymore. Using a camera, it's my coping mechanism for weird situations that I often find myself in. Like if I have a camera in my face, I've mentally simulated in my mind that I'm looking at a video because, you know, if, if you're looking at harsh destruction or drug-addicted people, you know, all the, all the weird subjects I've encountered in the last 10 years of photographing, you need a way to um, fend off the vicarious trauma. Honestly, as a photographer, I enjoy being in strange and surreal situations and meeting interesting and unique individuals. I do believe the work has an impact and that people uh, who view my images have a more, more awareness about my issues. I don't know why she likes tanks. Let's go pitch this here. Why would, like, I don't know why she likes tanks. Maybe because your dad came from a military family too. Oh yeah? I mean, because she doesn't like death and destruction. I think it was just an interesting story. go back to Berlin, back to normal life where everything is safe and peaceful. There's something about working in a war zone. You get an adrenaline rush and it's, it's quite addictive. And although I was never in the line of fire, um, I was at front lines and the, the, the danger, it's really captivating somehow. And it's, everything is so intense and the connections you make with people become so much more meaningful because it's like life and death situation. It's like gambling. 
A, a, a gambling addict once told me that if you're gonna go and gamble, you have to be prepared to lose everything and walk out of there with nothing. And I kind of took his philosophy to the war zone. You know, I have to always be aware of what could happen. You do risk assessments, right? You have to be aware of the risks when you go into certain areas. You always have to have a backup plan how to get out. But uh, the situation in Ukraine is really complicated. I mean, there still hasn't been any real official facts on how many Russian soldiers have been in fighting in East Ukraine. There's a lot of propaganda on both sides. Of course, there's Russian soldiers in East Ukraine, um, but there's also people from the Donbass region fighting in East Ukraine on, on the pro-Russian side. And in Europe, everybody seems to think that there's Nazis fighting on the Ukrainian side, um, because of course the pro-Russian propaganda is that there's Nazis fighting there. Of course there's Nazis fighting on both sides. I'm not saying like Nazis, like uh, World War II Nazis. If you're a Nazi in Ukraine, it means you're trying to exterminate Russians, for example. There are people like that on the Ukrainian side, but there's also people like that on the pro-Russian side. You can't even listen to the news because there's so much propaganda fueling even like BBC or New York Times. Uh, there's a lot of lazy journalism. Um, to fully understand the situation, you kind of need to be there living and breathing it. It's all a big mix of misinformation. I, I believe the Ukrainian war now is uh, an information war, which is fueled off of propaganda. Although I do feel there's justified reason for Ukraine to fight back because they, their land was invaded. Uh, but it's a deeply complicated issue. I guess maybe she could handle these horses and she can handle herself. You learn a lot from so this month I'm going to edit it and I'm going to start trying to pitch it to galleries and magazines in January. Great to hear about some of the work that Jen Osborne's doing. And so first up, we've got Mode Selector, Berlin, because my friend Jen normally lives in Berlin. This song is courtesy of a couple of folks who actually live in Berlin. They suggested it. I met them this week down in Ukulet. Samuel Stettner, Justine Ramage, and George Tansky. We're having a bit of a great lunch experience and throughout this track for the Frequency Horizon for all my listeners. I hope you enjoy this mode selector for Lynn.
to share it with you guys and hopefully you'll love it as much as I do. Um, it's the yeah. first uh, I've heard ever of Alpine and to yeah. be honest with you I think you guys are going to like it. It fits yeah. totally into the it's frequency. It's really nice. Horizon vibe and I'm just going to play it and you know feel free if you want. You can always go to the Facebook page for Frequency Horizon. Let me know what you think of it. If you want more music like this in the future let me know. Here it is.
broken social scene, stars and suns. I was in the Tafishan a few months back, and I picked up a copy of Explain Magazine. The feature that I was flipping through had a really interesting passage that I wanted to share. It was about the group Kurda Pirat. I could always feel myself being drawn towards that movement of water, and one of the first songs that I wrote for the album is called Ocean's Brawl. That was what the lead singer told to Explain Magazine. I was writing the song thinking about a very lonely time I had facing the Pacific Ocean in Tofino, BC, and it was really weird. I'd just gotten out of a relationship with somebody who was drawn to the Pacific Ocean, and I had to cross the Atlantic all the time. So to have those two oceans coming together all the time, not to sound corny or anything, but for me, our whole fighting, our whole relationship not working out, was these two oceans colliding, even though that's not possible, and the rumbling sound of it all. That was Rose's chat about a time in her life that spirit a very interesting song that I'm going to play next called Ocean's Brawl. This is Kurt Pirat.
been seeked for far too long Kept my treasures with my bones Lived for lies, lived for tales Lived for God and hit the rails Love you boy with what I know Hear that love with my bones And then Oh, 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 
Okay guys, that was Zach Gill with Don't Touch My Stuff. A little bit of a surfer tune for you guys that are like itching to hit the waves since they've been so crazy lately. Makes me want to go into the water for sure. Thanks Shanice. So Shanice St. Pierre with a little outro on that song. Now Shanice is a cook extraordinaire who works with me down in Yuki. She's also a writer, believe it or not, who quote unquote knits like a mofo. <laughs> um, <laughs> she basically uh, she ended I up in Tofino yeah. and uh, how did you how did you even end up in Tofino? Um well I made a random last minute decision. Honestly, uh I was working up north in Dawson City, Yukon. Beautiful place by the way. I highly recommend it. And I just out of the blue was like, "Hmm, I want to try surfing." <laughs> so I came down here and started surfing. I feel like that's very random but also very Completely. common to people that live here, wouldn't yeah. you say? Yeah, a lot of people definitely drift in. Um, some people, like, they catch the bug and they're hitting the waves every day and they want to move here. And then other people, you know, like, go surfing a few times and it just doesn't catch on for them. But I'm definitely, I'm definitely the former. Like, I'm addicted now. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good addiction to have. And, uh, you know, we, we actually heard, you know, Jen talked earlier in the program about being addicted to going to war zones. So I think, you know, health and safety wise, perhaps it's like one step, you know, better in a way. Well, I mean, the first time I went surfing, actually, I had no idea what I was doing. Surprise, surprise. And uh, the cord wrapped around my neck. So, I mean, you can die out there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's terrifying. It sounds like, uh, you know, as listeners to the Frequency Horizon will remember, you know, I did get five stitches in my head a couple weeks ago. You can always go to soundcloud.com slash Frequency Horizon if you want to hear the whole story told in audio format. Uh, Brutal. <laughs> But uh, we were talking about this earlier, is there something that's quite exciting to you and uh, that it has to do with the election of Justin Trudeau in the sense that he wants to do something cool with the green. What's that? Yeah, he is actually working on trying to legalize it and uh, regulate its distribution, the distri distribution of marijuana and um, restrict the access so that, you know, the people that need it can get it more easily while taking it out of the hands of people that you know, shouldn't necessarily have it, like, funding, like, criminal activity that can lead to more negative things, or in the hands of minors, or trying to take it out of the hands of children and criminals, basically. So, so for those of you out there who haven't really been paying attention to the development of Canada's weed regime, what's been happening is that a few years ago, thanks to some legal cases, the government, despite the fact that they were a conservative government, generally opposed to these sorts of things, had to come up with you know, a way for people who were inclined to medically use the stuff to actually be able to smoke up. And so, you know, they had this whole system in place and this has actually been evolving. And now, you know, Justin Trudeau being elected means that, in fact, it's going to go from just medical uses to recreational uses and, you know, just being totally legal. Why, why is that such a good thing, do you think, Shanice? Well, I think it's excellent that we're, you know, we're, we finally have come to a time where we're not trying to demonize something that is actually very, like, helpful for everybody, you know, like, it's, it's a very safe thing to use, and it has so many, so many health benefits and so many medicinal benefits. And I think it's really just a step in the right direction so that people, you know, like, I, I take it for, like, I use it for anxiety, like, there's different ways of you know, eating it or smoking it that will actually, you know, have different effects on you. And, you know, it, it increases the access to not necessarily just smoking it, because that makes me nervous, but, but um, 
also eating it. So I don't know. I think it's just great. I, I have to say, I we actually have a medicinal user who is a fan of the Frequency Horizon, a friend of mine, uh, Dylan. Shout out to Dylan out there. I always like to give him a shout out. Um, thanks for tuning in once again. And um, yeah, one of the things that was interesting was how you know I know that the the dispensaries in Nanaimo have come under fire recently. There's not much that Justin Trudeau can do about that. That's been a big topic of conversation, and I imagine yeah, you have some yeah. feelings about that. Like what? what yeah. No. Um. I know, like, it's basically like the police were trying to go for a money grab. So now that now that Trudeau is um, in power, they were like, oh, well, we have to, you know, relay that we still have control over the situation. So they, you know, basically, like, toughed up and tried to rustle these guys up, you know, to do like a cash grab, essentially essentially write out some tickets and get some money which is funny because you know taking action against them actually cost them a lot of money so they're just trying to scare them and let them know that you know these laws are still in place and we're we're still going to be cracking down on it until these laws are are technically changed what are you going to do when it becomes legal like how are you going to celebrate this decision i need a lot of marijuana chocolate <laughs> <laughs> or Edibles, as they call them, right? Yes, yes. In edibles. the in the medical community. And you know, like they'll get you stoned for sure, but it's it's actually like kind of scary because they make them so delicious. Like you just want to eat the whole thing. I wouldn't recommend it, but they they do have really good flavors like raspberry chocolate and hazelnut, and they have like gumdrops and stuff. Like it's just amazing. Now you you kind of have a lot of different passions. I know you you love knitting. I do. Uh, you obviously love smoking the green. Eating it. Eating it. If I smoke it, I freak out. <laughs> okay, cool. Fair enough. Fair enough. And as well, I know you've, you're into to modeling. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a, a really interesting field. Very artistic. But, uh, you know, I was just kind of curious. You know, I know with the nude modeling that you do, I wanted to ask, actually, you know, how do you feel when people judge you for, you know, engaging in sort of nude modeling and creating those that kind of imagery? Well, it's all about perspective and about, like, your, your comfortableness with your sexuality. Like, people definitely, like, make it to be, like, this big thing when I really don't consider it a big deal. So people get really uptight about it. And the only, like, truly negative feedback that I ever get from people is, like, generally from people that are either not comfortable with their own sexuality or, like, jealous girlfriends that think that just because I do what I do that, like, I'm the one to blame for their boyfriend maybe finding me out online or whatever. Like, I'm not the one that loaded up the webpage that has my picture on it. Like, it's not my fault. And, you know, they still get mad at me and they still blame me for it, but... And, and it's quite a well-known webpage. A lot of a lot of listeners might be familiar with Suicide Girls. Um, and Suicide Girls is a community that's sort of been developed over, you know, the num a number of years. Is it fair to say that Suicide Girls is a community, would you call it that? It's definitely a community. It's about, like, alternative female empowerment, I would say, like... Um, when it came out, you know, alternative people were still like getting a bad rap, like it was harder for them to find employment and it, it was just a way to like really like put them out there and be like, you know, these people are, are beautiful and like there's nothing wrong with them. To and what extent do you feel like uh, the Suicide Girl movement has actually changed, you know, what we expect from you know, nude imagery? Well, I think, I think it really touches on, you know, like, just the simplicity of female beauty in all of its forms, you know, like, it's, it's not just the super skinny, super tall, like, 
quote unquote perfect girls that can get attention that are loved like people really appreciate you know the the huge differences that you see in the female shapes and the ways that like we alternate our bodies through tattooing and piercing and our hairstyles and stuff clearly i could never artistic i could never be a suicide girl for obvious reasons but how did, how did you become involved in that um, I actually won a Facebook contest. They have Facebook contests every once in a while where they try to find new suicide girls. So I submitted my picture and I got a lot of good feedback. So I won this Facebook contest and they flew me down to LA to Hollywood and shot a set of me, like the owner of Suicide Girls shot me for Suicide Girls. It was awesome. And uh, yeah, so the set got accepted and it was pretty much, that's, you know, that's the end of the story. Like. And I've shot sets since, of course, but yeah, like once you're in, you're in pretty much. Like I have a lifetime membership. Right on. Get to look at titties all day long for the rest of my life. Well, glad to hear it. That's a great story. And here you are on the Frequency Horizon telling your story. And I think, uh, you know, what better way to end off the conversation than with some music by Cigarettes After Sex. And this song is Nothing's Gonna Hurt You, Baby. Beautiful song. Something in your ear It was a perverted thing to say But I said it anyway
That was Cigarettes After Sex with Nothing's Gonna Hurt You Baby. And I am absolutely, that's the other song that I'm in love with right now. And if you guys liked it, I recommend going to the Cigarettes After Sex website. If you Google Cigarettes After Sex, it'll be the first link. And they have a by donation download of their two EPs. There's only about six songs total, but I, I definitely recommend it. Um, you can you can get it for free if you want, but if you want to support the artist, feel free to donate as much as you want. So, yeah. Thanks for tuning into the Frequency Horizon, and you can always go to facebook.com slash Frequency Horizon, like the Facebook page to stay in touch with what we're up to, or listen to podcasts at soundcloud.com slash Frequency Horizon. Alrighty, and just so you know, I know we were talking about me modeling before the song, and if you guys want to look me up, because we never mentioned my name on there, I am Felix Suicide, so... And how do you spell that? It's uh, F-E-L-Y-N-X. You can find me on Facebook, I'm also on Instagram, and obviously I'm on Suicide Post. Obviously. Thanks so much. So next up we have Eric's Pritz Opus, the Fortet Remix. It's a 10 minute song and you're going to love every minute of it, I promise. Yeah. 